All right, here we are. We are live on Facebook, Ted. We are in uh, our little creative space like here, that. Ted Robinson. I was just checking the sign out. Kind Tail. I like that. Yes, yeah. Now, if you haven't, follow Kind Tail yeah. on Instagram. It's my wife's company. Mm-hmm. But Ted, we're doing this one in person today. For those listening in between their ears, uh, wherever you are, we hope you're safe. We hope you're enjoying your life. I'm fired up because I haven't seen you in a while, man. I know, and we're safe. We're fully ventilated here in the in the Roth office pod here. I like this. Yeah, I like it when people, you know, it's the pandemic. So you know, a lot of people over. But every once in a while, like if you came over, you've come over, what, two or three times mm-hmm. in the last year. It's like a forced function to clean when you have two kids. So we, <laughs> we as a family, yeah. we really appreciate that. Well, we had, we, I just spent last week, my wife and I had our two-year-old grandson to ourselves for a week. Uh, doing a solid for our daughter and her husband, so and it's the same thing. The cleaning that happened after, <laughs> after they, after the grandson left. Oh my gosh! But it's the best. As you, as you're learning right now, and I think I've told you this, the kids, in our case, grandkids, they keep you entertained and exhausted simultaneously. Yes, yes I can. Mm-hmm. I- I, I can imagine that in future years because it's happening currently right now in reality. So uh, for those watching on Facebook, uh, we've been putting these up, which has been fun. Any questions, hit us up. We'll get to them at the end because we're not right next to the phone, as you can imagine. Uh, but Ted and I today, uh, we're kind of scheme theme. We're going to talk air raid, uh, mm-hmm. but I also want to talk topical news because this hit me this morning. Mm. Tiger Woods was just in a horrific car accident. Uh, big news here in Los Angeles. Uh, we drive up and down that street all the time. And... Mm-hmm. When you're going there in the morning, the sun is in your face. So not knowing anything that happened to him specifically, but that is a tricky road to be on. So we wish him well. But it got me thinking about the Rose Bowl back in the day and Kevin Hogan against Iowa. Remember that game? Christian McCaffrey gets completely hosed in the Heisman Mm -hmm. and returns the opening kickoff 100 yards for a touchdown. Well, that game ends, and I'll never forget Kevin Hogan coming to the set on the field of the Rose Bowl. And I was like, hey, what was the locker room like? And he goes, man, my phone rang, and I didn't know the number, so I didn't answer it. And I just checked my voicemail on the way out here, and it was Tiger Woods calling me to say, hey, great game. And he was so bummed that like, he didn't take the call from Tiger. Yeah. <laughs> so I will say that about Tiger Woods is his love of Stanford is absolutely unquestioned. And I've joked about it because it was just we just had the 20th anniversary in December of the best college basketball game I have ever seen in the Bay Area in my 30-something years of living there. And it was Stanford against Duke. I think there were seven, either seven or eight NBA players in the game between the two teams. And it ended up being a famous game that Stanford won when Casey Jacobson made a shot in the final seconds to win the game. But the memory that lingers on, and you can find the picture very easily if you, uh, if you Google it, in the front row at courtside, is the founder of Yahoo, and next to him, Tiger Woods, both Stanford grads. And when Casey Jacobson makes the shot, Tiger Woods jumps in the air. And, I mean, you talk about ups. <laughs> now, of course, it was 2000, so he was much younger. And he is going crazy. And it's a picture that's thankfully, some fabulous photographer captured. And I teased Casey about it uh, just a few weeks back when I was with him. I said, you think... You could make that shot again. Casey goes, yeah. I said, you think Tiger could jump like that again? And sadly, of course, now that's in a different framework. But back then, Casey laughed. He said, no, I don't think so. That is classic. Okay. um, So we're going to leap right into this today. Uh, Again, you guys have known. uh, You've been listening. We appreciate it. The viewership continues to grow. So keep sharing it on your platforms and your message boards. We appreciate it. And it's the off season. Ted, we got pro days coming up. Mm -hmm. We'll get into that. We've got spring football. We anticipate 
coming up. Hopefully we're doing a couple in person, you know, maybe get the Oregon game. I believe it's April 24th. I think that is the date that I've seen. Uh, We'll see if those shift and move and bob and weave. But today we are talking the air raid. USC runs the air raid. Tailback U runs the air raid. Mike Leach, of course, is famously known for it. How mummy, the history of the air raid. There's a lot of teams that run air raid principles. There's a lot of high-profile teams in college that consider themselves air raid, Oklahoma being another one in terms of a blue blood, in my opinion, uh, much like USC that runs mm-hmm. the air raid. So today we're going to dive into it. It was your idea. So what, what were your thoughts yeah. about making this a concept for us? It's, it's, I, I, the, there's no question. I think those who've listened to us before uh, have, have probably been able to register my skepticism at, I'm a believer in identity. I'm a big believer in that from from athletics. From, I think from businesses, businesses have identities. And so a sports team, a sports organization has an identity. And to me, the mix of USC football and the air raid does not work. That's not the identity of USC football. It doesn't mean you have to be ground and pound, four yards and cloud of dust stuff. That I understand we're not really in that era either. But the air raid is such a drastic removal from the identity of USC football that it, 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 and, and ultimately I've tried to listen to some very smart people through the years, a lot of t- in my time around the NFL, asking questions of coaches, listening to analysts the last couple of years. And I think it, it all comes back to one big thing. Okay. The air raid is about passing and what, uh, you know, Sid Gilman, who's considered even Bill Walsh considered Sid Gilman. If you don't know who Sid Gilman is, I, I won't bore you. Just look it up. Really considered the, original architect of the modern pass game in, in football. And he was pro football guy. Bill Walsh took a lot from Sid Gilman. So you pass down through the years. Um, all offenses that even had pass games could run the ball. The air raid is not a run game. <laughs> it's not a run game. It's a, it's a strictly passing game. And in college football, to me, Yogi, this is where I want you to, to help me. It can work. We've seen it work. Um, Although I would say no one's yet won anything significant running the air raid. In the NFL, I, I have not seen any evidence that it can work. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, and, and we're going to dive into it because it's, it's really nuanced. I, I think big yeah. picture, if there was one takeaway on the air raid, and I've got like my air raid notes. I've studied mm-hmm. the air raid the last couple of years uh, with Coach Leach, studied with Coach Helton and Graham Harrell and that crew and talked to players that have ran it. Um, ultimately, it's a philosophy not a scheme. And I think that's really important to state yes. because when you look at, and last night I went back and watched a bunch of Oklahoma film. It's like, let me see Lincoln Riley, his first year as a coordinator up until last year, a mm-hmm. bunch of different quarterbacks, right? Four different quarterbacks in that era of him calling plays. Three of them won the Heisman. I mean, pretty, or two of them won the Heisman. Really talented, obviously. And I, I sat back and I was like, that reminder kept going through my head. It's a philosophy, not a scheme. Oklahoma is not running what USC is running. USC is not running what now Mississippi State is running. And you can go all the way down to the high school level. Like it, is, it is not exactly the same. The bottom line, every, every team that does it, though, believes in this core principle, which is can you remove the clutter from the mind? So in the past game, it's not about pre-snap looks. It's not about post-snap looks. Right? It's about pure progression offense. Right. Can I go from and- one to two to three? And that's it, regardless of defense. Regardless of defense. So if you're covering the receiver's head, okay, he's done. I don't care what coverage you played. He's just not open. So you're asking your players to think very quickly and efficiently. And the reason that I think a lot of schools are running it is because everybody's running high school. 
Seven on seven. I mean, this is what it is. It's shorts yep. and a t-shirt football. That's what we do now. And guys are running pure progression offenses where they're not worried about anything other than is there one safety taken away the middle or two safeties split in the field. That is really the – that's what a lot of colleges are only asking quarterbacks. Exactly. And that gets into my great question. So you, the quarterback whisperer here, help me understand this because I've heard this a lot, what you just said, that the air raid does not actually ask the quarterback to do a lot. And we've seen, we saw it vividly in this conference at Washington State where you can put up the video game numbers um, if you function well, as you said, in this in the execution of it, Minshew being the greatest example of it. Uh, is it something, if I'm a quarterback and I really want to play pro football, do I want to play in an air raid offense? Because there is no way that you can play in the NFL without being able to read and react off what defenses do. There is no way. It's an interesting question. And there have been very few, I can't think of really any air raid quarterbacks that have succeeded in the NFL. Fair. So here's the thing. When you look at teams in the league, Mm -hmm. because this is what Mike Leach would say, and he's right. Watch the Patriots or Kansas City or some of these teams play. They all play with some air raid plays. Some, right. Right? Right. But And I think that is totally fair, right? There's moments of the Seattle Seahawks. That's the team I watch the most in the NFL. There's air raid concepts. But football is not the most intricate game in the history of planet Earth in terms of where guys end up. How they get there, that's where the intricacies lie. So I think it's, it's important to say you know, the, the air raids brought a lot of good stuff to football. I think to your point on the quarterback front is that no longer are you going to the line of scrimmage, and this is an example, where you're saying uh, dual right Z short, A2 stem Z snag. That was a play we used to run at USC. That's a full-on West Coast pro-style scheme. You're saying Buffalo, and that means something to everybody, yeah. right? So the simplicity is definitely there. What does the simplicity allow? Allows you to play quick. Allows you to play earlier. So here's the example. Jared Goff, 1-11. We were there as a true freshman at Cal. Mm-hmm. He played in the Bear Raid or the Air Raid under Sonny Dykes. He's a disciple of the Leech offense and, and the whole tree that we've talked about. Here's the challenge. And I was sitting at this meeting, and I, I'm pretty sure we've talked about this before, but you'll love the story. It's me, uh, Trent Balky, the current, I believe, GM, right? The Jacksonville Jaguars, yes. mm-hmm. uh, who you know. Trent Dilfer, who we know. And uh, Jared Goff and Dr. Michael Gervais, a friend of the program. And we're at the Elite 11. And Jared is our guest speaker. And we decide we're going to have like a front office session with quarterbacks. I'll try to get all the guys right. Tua, Jalen Hurts, Manny Wilkins, Trace McSorley, and Drew Locke. Uh, I think we're all the quarterbacks. And Jared Stidham, I think, was in the, in the room. So they're all the counselors. And we're like, all right, let's see how much football you guys know. So Jared asked the best question. He goes, 1 to 10, how much ball do each of you think that you know right now? This is Jared. I think he just came off of playing in the Super Bowl. And down the line, it's from 3 to, I think Tua said he was like an 8, a 7 or an 8, mm. which was great. You know, he's confident in his knowledge. And Jared goes, fair. He goes, guys, when I was in college, coming into the league, I thought I was about a 4. He goes, and I got there, and I was a one. Yeah, and I think that's th- that is your point, yes. and that is the point um, that a lot of people in the NFL make, and the point the college coaches say is, who cares, right? We're moving the ball, like we're an eight-win team, right. and Jared might be saying, who cares? Because I was number one draft pick based on the bear raid. But to your point, does it allow you? To succeed earlier in the NFL, I don't think it does. Yeah, because of the learning curve. And so, the, Yogi, let me use your last point there to circle back to where I started. I totally agree with you. Mike Leach has been paid a lot of money, and is getting paid a lot of money right now by Mississippi State. 
to win there. They they don't pay him to put players in the Amen. NFL. That's so right. so I totally we we all get that, and I think it's absolutely, I think it's indisputable that the air raid can succeed in the schools that are basically have uphill climbs: Texas Tech, Washington State, now Mississippi State that cannot recruit against the big boys in their own league. They can't, so they have to have a different way to play, and acknowledge all of that. My question comes back to if I'm a player who believe if I'm an elite 11 quarterback and I believe and I'm being told by everybody in my life, you're going to play in the pros. Am I going to choose to play even I mean, as great as Lincoln Riley's offense has been? I don't know. I mean, there's there's no proof yet. And what we what the one uh, and I I understand we're Pac-12 driven here, but because it's at USC, this is why I'm I'm raising the topic. So. In this part of the country, the NFL right now measure is Arizona, where a air raid guy, Cliff Kingsbury, got the head coaching job. Whoa. Kyler Murray comes in as the quarterback. Whoa. It nah, hasn't you know really clicked yet. And Cliff Kingsbury, watching some games this year, and I'm no expert on this, but watching and then listening to other people, acknowledged he had to make some adjustments to the end. Like, you better put a tight end on the field here, yeah. okay? We can't do this leech thing of having four, you know, five wides or four wides going all the way across the field with no tight end and my offensive lineman six feet apart in, in the NFL. No, 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 no. Yeah. So to run the ball, you better run in, you better mix in some more conventional formations, use a tight end. And they did. Arizona did that. Uh, during this past year. Um, but that's, to me, the closest right now, I guess, litmus test we're getting to whether a great college player, Kyler Murray was a great college player, can that work in the NFL? Yeah, and I'm so excited to see SC this year. Yeah. They bring in a new offensive line coach, and he's come from the air raid, trained under Mike Leach, was at Washington State, was at Texas State with Jake Spavadol, who we know from his Cal days. Um and now he's going to come in here. I, I think they're going to make some changes. So, so let me give you just a little brief history on the air raid that was fun for me to go back and look at my notes. Mm -hmm. um, the air raid came from the wishbone. I didn't know that until I really did a deep dive. And the wishbone was all about the triple option and spreading right. the field sideline to sideline, maximizing space. The number one rule that I have outside of what I said earlier, which is a philosophy, not a scheme, and to keep it simple, is that it's about space ma maximization. Yes. You talk to Luke Falk, Connor Halliday, Keaton yeah. Slovis, Matt Fink, they're all going to say, find green grass. That is like the common phrase and be boring, right? You heard JT Sullivan and I talk about earlier this week about like, he didn't want quarterback to be boring. He wanted to be challenging. I want to get to the line of scrimmage and can I manipulate you with my eyes and my mind? And that's just not what the air raid necessarily is. Now you have to be on time. You have to anticipate all the things that are necessary to thrive as a quarterback. Like you still have to be able to do that. But to your point, the, the clutter's out. Um, but I think the manipulation is out too. And when I went back and studied Oklahoma, and this is my point about USC now, they have a new O-line coach, are, is SC going to change in the run game to Oklahoma? Oklahoma is dramatically different. I went back and watched a couple games yeah. of reference. They're pulling two offensive linemen pretty regularly. They are making it really challenging for the box, the defensive line, the linebackers, to keep it really simple, to make reads. Right, so they can still run their zone read game, the RPO game, and still run power football. Just like when you watch Stanford, they'll pull guys. Oklahoma's doing a lot of that. I went back and watched USC Oregon. Not one time did I see them pull two guys. Yeah. I USC, them, you're saying. USC. Yeah. In the first half, they That's... pulled one offensive lineman one time. 
right? And granted, they I think they you know they think they finished with like less than forty yards rushing, um, so it's not like they were thriving in the run game. And I get like. You know, bubble screens are part of the run game, but we're talking about like dictating terms and running the football. I think when I look at them, I saw Graham Harrell's offense and an offensive line scheme and Tim Drevno that never, never lived the same philosophy, which is just true. It's not a slight. Tim Drevno's a West Coast guy. You know him from the Niners in Michigan and his time at the pros. Um, Graham Harrell is hair rate. So I, that is the biggest thing that I've noticed because I, I don't think the pass game is going to dramatically change. I think everybody does it a little differently in terms of you didn't see Amon Ra live in the same spot all season long. Right. Mike Leach's guys never moved. Tay Martin lived on the one side right. of the field right. and never moved. I think that's a bad thing for receivers. Mm-hmm. Um, but my point is like when I really studied it, man, the run game was like, it's based in the triple option. Mm-hmm. It's based in the run game, the stretch game. You got to move guys to make defensive players hesitate because Oregon defense didn't hesitate on one run play all right. game long. Yeah, and that's back to the identity question is in the shortened season we had just had, how many times did we see those classic football moments? I don't care what scheme you are. There are a time when a successful program like USC, everybody in the stadium knows you're going to run the ball, and you can run the ball. Yeah. It might only be a yard. But you'll get that yard more more often than not. And this year, it was a lot of not for USC. And that's what I can't figure out because there wasn't the things we talked about with the Arizona Cardinals where you have to adjust and put a tight end on the field or a more conventional set to be able to run block, right? They didn't do – I mean, how many times we saw unblocked defenders coming in on a third or fourth and short yardage play? Unblocked defender to make a tackle on the backfield. I, that's what so so I'm not the coach, but I sit there and I go, that's not right. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. No, totally. And I think that you know, I think the the quote was last year, uh, we don't go under center from SC, right? Because how many fourth and shorts, right? I watched one in the game in the Oregon game, and to your point, like championship teams have to dictate terms Absolutely. and have to be able to get a yard when you need it. Absolutely. Um, or you don't deserve to win a championship and, and then win the game. You yeah. know, so that's, that's fair. That's a, that's not a criticism. That's just a fair assessment. So I, I look forward to the evolution. And to me for, for SC, for this podcast purposes, I go back to the first game. Clay Helton was the head coach at, which is Notre Dame. You're alma mater on the road, big sweatshirt that said fight on, right? Mm-hmm. They lose. But when he gets the job, he talks about how they're going to be a physical downhill run team to now, I think he's in his 11th or 12th year at SC as either assistant or the head coach, and they're not getting under center. So I'd imagine in the yeah. spring, I can't wait to get there, even if it's from like a drone. I just have a feeling that they're going to have some of that because that's Clay, son of an O line coach. I think that's that's, and I think that's a good thing for you the area. And you could run the array from under center. I mean, I've I've heard people say that's the way it used to be, and that. Um, in essence, Leach was probably the first guy to really take the air raid and just say, we're going 100% shotgun. Yeah, and here's the problem with that. And uh, I'm going to steal it from Steve Young because that's who I learned it from. Just just imagine playing quarterback at home if you're watching this or Ted, you and I here. If I'm going to ask you to throw um, a shallow cross, old school West Coast offense, I'm going to ask you to take a seven-step drop. One big, uh, big five, two little. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Like there's a rhythm to yeah. that. It's not one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. There's a rhythm to right. that. So I believe that when you train from under center, you have to play from under center, but if you train, you have that clock, right? So my expertise, wide receiver. I know on an out route when it's time to snap the route off. I just know. It's, I've run thousands of out routes. Mm-hmm. 
when you're just the guy on his toes, tip, you know, or Zach Wilson is a great guy on his toes a lot, right? We've seen quarterbacks come into this league. DTR was one of those guys just kind of hopping around early on. You've got no rhythm. So then you're late. And when you're late against good defenses, and this league has really good defensive coordinators, you throw picks. First drive of the USC game. Keen Slovis threw a pick, the right sideline, right? I think two of the first three drives might have had a turnover. Um, and that was, you know, incon- uh, inconsistent to who he has been, in my opinion, as a player. Like, that didn't happen a lot. He hasn't always been late. But I think when you don't train from under center, you can develop some bad habits. And, and the biggest one is is not having an internal clock. And guys, think about it. At five, at, In fifth grade, let's just say you start playing flag football, seventh grade, ninth grade, whenever, you're probably not taking it from under center and building that timing. Mm-hmm. So now you've got to retrain a skill where your mental repetitions are just far off. It's why JT Daniels balled, in my opinion, at Georgia. Really? Yeah, because he's a timing-based passer. Yeah. So when he came to SC, he struggled in the air raid early on because he wanted to manipulate. He had to dumb it down and be like, green grass. And, and those guys can kill it. Yes. I think that, to your point of guys even going to the league, that is the learning curve that, uh, that people are just finding, man. God, that's so that that's a fascinating point about JT Daniels. Here's the other question about the air raid that I've heard discussed a lot. I've wondered myself and I had a, a very wise coach who's, uh, I will protect his anonymity here, uh, told me this, uh, oh, earlier I asked, you know, what do you think happened in Mississippi state this past year with KJ Costello? Cause you knew you introduced me to KJ, you know, he obviously got swept up in the Minshew mania thinking I'll go play one year for Leach and crush it and get drafted high. And that didn't happen. And the, the, the feedback I got was the SEC figured it out in one week. Okay. The first week they went out, was it LSU? I forget. I think yeah, it was LSU. LSU. They played. Yeah, it's awesome. And LSU went up there and played like press man and the receivers won all these routes and KJ throws for a ton of yards and the rest of the league, what are you doing? Play off. Let them throw the dump balls. And, and how many times, this is this is absolute truth in the pros, which is another, I think, skeptical uh, view of the air raid. In the NFL, you can't win without explosive. Mm, you just can't. Just going to say that. You can't. There's The NFL defenses are too good. You can't put three or four 15-play drives together in a game. That's a rarity. Yeah. And that's if you let the air raid just – Go first progression, a little quick hit off the left side. Good. I'll run up and tackle you there, and it's five yards. How many times can you do that? Dude, so uh, it kind of went pseudally viral when Sark got the Texas job, but it was mm-hmm. a clinic that he did yeah. at Alabama. I don't, if I didn't send it to you, I will, on, and I'll make sure I kick it out on social. And I loved it because, A, like it took me back in time when, you know, he's the guy that taught me offensive football. Mm-hmm. And he talked about, um, you know, his time in the Falcons. And then, of course, back at Alabama, and now he's going to be the head coach at Texas. Of if, if you don't create an offense designed to create explosive plays, like you just don't have a chance. Yeah. And I, I agree with that. Like, because asking, you know, I don't care if it's 18 to 22-year-old college kids or guys making millions, to be, to be right, 11 guys to be right, 10, 12, 15 snaps in a row – it's too hard. So he, uh, he said something that really stuck with me was every play we design from when he went to the Falcons to now back at Bama was getting the ball to guys on the move. So Alabama runs a play that is an air raid play where it's, it's called the old smash concept where two receiver side, inside guy runs a corner, outside guy runs a little hitch, hesitates, and then runs like a post. 
Leach has run it. SC mm-hmm. has run it. Everybody's run it. Point is, get the ball to players on the move. Yes. And when you can get it to your dudes and then be it Heisman Trophy winner, wide receivers, well, it's a different deal. But that is the point. And I think, and I believe you're exactly right. I think that's what Washington and Jimmy Lake did to Leach all those years was, okay, cool. We'll rally to the ball. Yeah, so exactly. what's the answer? I'm going to play too high defense. If I'm a defensive coordinator, I'd split the field. And I'm going to say, you know, I'm going to drop, I'm going to drop eight. I'm going to dare you to run the ball. Yeah. So this goes to the air raid. We're teaching air raid today. It's a box count by the quarterback. Quarterback gets the line of scrimmage and basically has to say, is it a heavy or a light box? The box would be an imaginary uh, rectangle, tight end to tight end, linebacker level, about six yards deep. If there's five guys in there, you have five old linemen and a running back and a potentially running quarterback, seven on five, six on five, a worst case scenario. You should be able to win that matchup. So you see that. That's why you see quarterbacks, or when we call games, I predict they're going to run it here. I'll circle it. There's a small box or a light box. But when you can't run it against that, that is the problem. And you choose, as they did, it felt like they did a lot, not even try. Yeah, yeah. I mean, when Max Borgie got there, finally that one year with Max Borgie, they started to run the ball. And there was a second running back whose name I'm blanking on. I'm sorry. But uh, there were two. James Williams. James Williams. Thank you. They had two backs, and that was, I think that was the Minshew year, wasn't it? Yeah. That yeah. was the best year that I saw, um, and it was exactly that. That that and that. I think Yogi, I'm listening to your point there, and I'm thinking that's the one where one way I would I would think the USC air raid could work is because they have the receivers, <laughs> sort of like Alabama, where if they get the ball to these guys on in movement in space, they those guys. Most of them this year they're adding uh, uh, Nixon from Colorado have a chance to make those explosives or, you know, 25, 30, 35 yard plays and not seven yard plays. That to me is the one justification I would think for the year right there. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, if the whole point of it is to say, I got really good athletes and I'm going to spread the field and make you defend them in space. It makes total sense. If I was head coach at a program like Colorado or Cal or Washington State, I'd run the air raid. I won't even flinch. Right. This is give us a ch- Mississippi State. Give us a chance. And this is not disparaging of those programs. No, no. It goes back to what like, we're saying. They can't. They can't beat Mississippi State's not going to beat Alabama and Auburn on recruits. Exactly. We know that Washington exactly. State's not going to beat USC and Oregon on recruits. Yeah, so give me a chance yeah. to to win. Right. And maybe I can keep it close and win late. But there comes a point in time where there. And to me, I think there's like three big dogs in college football. And we all know who they are: yeah. Clemson, Bama, and Ohio State. They're gonna they're gonna move the line of scrimmage, and you got to be able to do it, man. So that's where I come back. So let's go all the way back to the beginning here. Well, do you think USC makes adjustments this year? The kind like I was referencing with the Arizona Cardinals to say, okay, we are going to be able to line up and run the ball when we want to, or the absolute when we need to. I, I think they have to. Yeah, I really do, and. uh I don't know if our listeners will know this name, but his name is Jurgen Klinsmann, who I know you know. Oh, He's sure, a former yeah. national team coach. So yeah. I met Jurgen when I was at SC, and he taught me something I've never forgotten. He said when he went to Germany to be the national team coach, they were a very defensive-minded team. And he looked at the culture, Germany. He's like, we're an offensive culture. Like We get after it. Like We're not afraid to, whether you look at the military and their history there, like they're a culture that is... They're going to dictate terms. And he goes, we need to be offensive. We need to, we need to attack. And he changed his culture. So we started talking about it in depth. I remember going to his house in Orange County of Pittsburgh Steelers. 
What do they? I went to Pitt. What's Pittsburgh known for? Steelworkers. Tough. Physical. Doesn't mean we can't spread you out and throw it up to Larry Fitz or throw it up to the Juju Smith-Schuster, but we're going to be a physical team because that's our identity as a culture. Yeah. Look at the L.A. Lakers. Showtime, baby. And Showtime. Doesn't mean we can't play defense. Exactly. But we're about, so I, I just totally buy into that. And he gave me soccer examples. He goes, play um, uh, Brazil in a soccer team. He goes, if I'm going to play them in a tournament, I want to play them late because they want to have a, a, a great time. They want to enjoy it. Let's play them as late as possible so they're exhausted. <laughs> he goes, in Mexico. He goes, and, and this is That's him. Isn't he goes, we're playing Mexico. Such tight cultures, such tight teams. If it comes down to it, I want penalty kicks. Because I want guys isolated. Mm-hmm. Right? Right, wrong, and different. But that opinion about, like, what's, what's the backbone of your community? Pullman. Small town. Backs against the wall. That's who they are. Yeah. Oregon. It's going to be fast. Amen. It's going to be explosive. So it doesn't mean it can't be physical like they want to be. But I think you have that brand affinity that is in the DNA of you. Amen. And SC is that. So, yeah, they'll change. So that, that's, the, that's the point. I mean, I, I lived around this uh, in my time around Notre Dame, doing Notre Dame games. You know, the, the service academy thing we always talk about. They dreaded the service academy week because there was a unique blocking system that the service academies used to overcome their size difference. And it was treacherous for teams. They just, they just really... They, they, they dreaded the week for the service academy. So what does that mean here? USC. I, I lived at Colin Stanford games for 13 years. You go play USC week, and all of a sudden you saw the defensive guy. Oh, God, man, we're going to get beat up this week. It's going to be tough. And I've, I've told – I'll repeat this because it's, he's the greatest, but the last – I think the last conversation I ever had with Bill Walsh, near the end of his life, he was back at Stanford and we're playing at the Coliseum – Against Yogi Roth's Trojans. Let's go. <laughs> and it's, you know, 65 to 3 at halftime or something. You know, Stanford was just very, very outmanned. And I remember walking out of the booth at half radio booth at halftime to go to the bathroom. And Bill comes out of the athletic director's booth. And I just looked at him. He shook his head and he said, every starter on the field for USC will be in the NFL. I said, "How we can't, we can't compete against that. And I'm going, man, I now you were part of that. That was an extreme. But I would I would love to see USC get back closer to that on their line play. Both sides of the ball, line play. Yeah. Well, you gave the stat, um, which I hope yeah. I don't butcher, but yeah. last five years, Utah's got the most offensive yep. defensive lineman drafted. Yep. Right? And and you know, SC's got a couple guys that get picked up this year, of course. Elijah Vera Tucker, Jay Tefele, Marlon Tweeploto will make a team somewhere along the lines. Um but you're right. So I think in summation here, we want to keep this at 30 minutes. Yeah. The air raid. Remember, it's philosophy. It's not a scheme. That's number one. It's about removing clutter from the mind. Doesn't mean you can't be physical. So I anticipate, it's just my gut, SC is going to alter some things in the run game this year. Remember, maximize space. You can maximize your personnel. But to me, they have to be able to punch you in the mouth when they want to. So I bet spring practices are going to be really physical. I bet nine on seven is a highlighted period every day because nothing drives a coach coach crazier, in my opinion, other than uh, on the field. We needed to get a yard, a foot, and we couldn't get it. Like, no, and that is like that's pride. That's that's football. Like, what do you want to do, coach? We want to go for it every sideline in America, mm-hmm. and they failed in some of those moments. Doesn't mean they can't move the ball. Their numbers are insane. Keaton Slovis is balling the whole thing. They got players. This is not like a shot podcast on SC. This is just our take on the air raid. And for them, I want to see more 
Oklahoma run game. I want to see. Uh, I want to see some of that because he can do it. It's not like Stanford's only running power all day long. They're doing some stuff in the run game that's unique. So I, I think we'll see that, and uh, and I hope we do. And and I want to say I, I wanted to do this first, but I think we should do this, and I hope we do this on some others like the run and shoot and some oh, yeah. other offensive schemes and defensive schemes. Uh, so this was a good way to start because it is relevant to a prominent school in the conference. And I got to tell you something. This is the power of Yogi, everybody, because we're we're winding down. Uh, basketball season. I'm in Southern California right now calling tennis, but the power of Yogi is such a February football pod. <laughs> Let's go, baby. I love it. All right, much more uh, for sure. We got to dive into Jeep Chris. He gets hired at Cal. We'll do that in the next podcast. And let us know what you think, uh, what you want to hear about, and uh, we'll go there. And thanks yeah. for the questions. We'll make sure we answer them uh, right when we get done with this show. All right. He's Ted. I'm Yogi. Yeah. It's Ted and Yogi's Pac-12 Adventure. Stay safe. Peace. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.